Several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And I am very excited to open the show today with a story about a business concept that has to do with wine that is probably the single most interesting idea that I have ever come across when it comes to wine. Our first guest is Matt Smith. Matt is with a company called Grapeseed Wines, and he's up in Healdsburg in northern Sonoma County. And Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, David. Great to be with you today and happy to talk with folks about Grapeseed. First of all, I want to say you're making a a lot of news with this concept, and I don't think I've ever seen a business model quite like this. Why don't you first start by telling people exactly what Grapeseed Wines is, because this is a real mind blower. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear the interest, and certainly we've been excited to have been featured in so many different media outlets and on the news and etc. Grapeseed is, I think, unique in that it is a collective at its heart, a collective of winemakers who've decided to come together in partnership to offer exclusive wines, small production wines, directly to consumers. And it's a members-only club. It's a subscriber-based model, and people who join, we call our partners, are responsible for helping to fund all the new projects that come along. Grapeseed currently has six winemakers that have partnered with us and are offering over 18 different wines and there are more coming. There's four wines that will be released in September and we'll be announcing new winemaker partners every day. Really for us, the spirit of it is that even the most critically acclaimed winemakers who have a a following and, and have been recognized as producing wines that are at the top of the wine world sometimes have a hard time getting those wines into the hands of the right consumer, the consumer that that most wants them. Because of the three-tier system and the way wines are distributed, they can't be everywhere. They can't be in, in each state, in each market. Um, and so we felt that by offering the wines direct to consumer through grapeseed, that we were solving some of those problems of access. Talk for a moment about the three-tier system and how it is that the grapeseed model overcomes that. Well, you know, the alcohol laws in the United States are very complicated, and we've set up a uh, what's called the three-tier system, which means a producer sells the wine to a distributor who then can sell it to a retailer, and the retailer, whether that's a shop or a restaurant, sells it to the public. 
for many states for, for, for quite some time in, in, in many different states, the producers are allowed to ship direct to the consumers, that winery direct shipment that I think um, everybody is interested in. When you come out to Napa Valley or you come out to the wine country, any of the wine regions in California, and you are inspired by what you see and find wines that you love, people sign up for those wine clubs so that they can have the wine shipped directly to them. Well, we do a similar thing. We are a bonded winery in California, and we are able to ship across the country to the states where direct shipping is allowed. And we, therefore, can bring our products directly to the home of our member partners. And you know one of the things that I think is particularly important to point out about this is and and I also am a wine retailer as most people know we operate the Grape Encounters Emporium which carries a, a right. broad selection of wines but I mean the truth of the matter is with the three-tier system there are a lot of people that are stepping on the price of the wine. I mean obviously mm-hmm, the distributor mm-hmm. has to mark it up, the retailer has to mark it up, the person who produces it has to make a profit and by the time it gets into the consumer's hands it's more expensive than it would have been if they had bought it directly from the producer. And I readily admit that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And there are a lot of reasons for the way the system has been set up. But, you know, we believe that if the consumer has the ability to interact directly with the winery, they are going to benefit in in many different ways. You know, we offer, as one of the perks of membership in the grape seed community, we offer exclusive experiences at any of our partner wineries. So say you're a Grapeseed member, you have been with us for a number of months and made some purchases, you really have gotten to know the style of uh, some of our winemakers. You come out to wine country and you can call us up, call our concierge service and say, I'd like to visit the winery where Jean Hofleger produces his wine. So we can set up experiences for our members at all of those partner wineries. We also will be offering exclusive member events, whether it's a, um, a harvest party where you can come out and interact with the winemakers and taste wine out in you know the beautiful Dry Creek Valley or a blending experience uh, in the Napa Valley at Alpha Omega and, and put together your own Bordeaux blend. We offer all of those type of experiences to our members, our partners, because we're also a winery and we want to create that experience and that sense of belonging. I want to clarify a couple of things, and we are talking to Matt Smith of Grapeseed Wines, making a lot of news with a pretty unique concept where the customers actually have a much closer relationship with the winemakers, and that's what funds the project, and it's a win-win for everybody. But just to understand the a little bit better. The winemakers that are participating, they all have individual wineries. Do the wines come out under the grapeseed label or are they coming out under each of the individual winemakers' labels? <laughs> the answer to that is kind of complicated, but but not really. So grapeseed and the collective of winemakers I described, we actually partner to create new brands that those winemakers are then making at their winery. So for example, uh, one of the winemakers who has chosen to work with us is Ed Sabragia, longtime director of winemaking at Behringer and now has his own Sabragia family vineyards. He has decided to create a new brand with grapeseed called Permanence. 
kind of speaks to his tenure in the wine industry and, and the duration of his family in wine country, four generations of Sabraja family members making wine in California. So Permanence is the brand that is part of Grapeseed. It's available only through Grapeseed. And so on the back, the consumer will see a Grapeseed-funded project on the back label, but they will see the Permanence label on the front. And so all of the winemakers have done that. And it is really make the point that these wines are unique and they are exclusive. They're not just bottled the same as some other wine that's available somewhere else. This is a unique project that we have developed together jointly. So I'm guessing that these are much lower production, lots of wine? Absolutely, yes. Everything that we're doing right now is very small-scale, small-lot winemaking. And we're talking about wines that are in small production as 25 cases, literally one barrel that John Hoffliger selects from four different wines that are in the packed brand that he has with us. So so it's Um, it's really an opportunity for somebody to own and serve wine that nobody is going to be able to get anyplace else. That is absolutely right. That's so awesome. Yeah, for us, that's our target audience. That's our consumer. He or she is, is someone who's interested in those, um, those passion projects, those small lot wines that the winemakers have crafted and that they can discover them and bring them to share with their friends who will no doubt be interested to find out where did you get uh, a wine like this because it, it isn't available anywhere else. It, it is only available to Grapeseed members. And then those people who get the opportunity to try these wines that are brought to a dinner party, you know, turn around and join the grapeseed family and you grow and are able to produce even more exciting wines for people. That's the goal. Yeah, I mentioned right now six different winemakers. I will be myself producing a new wine brand that I'm excited to be able to launch through the Grapeseed platform, but also other winemakers that we'll be bringing in in this next year will get our numbers up uh, in our our hopes will be that um, in another year or so we'll have 25 different winemakers offering a host of different projects, different varietal wines under their their brands with Grapeseed. And who knows, if any one of them um, has great success and, and really starts to grow the brand, that, that brand may go on to live outside of Grapeseed. But that's really one of the goals of Grapeseed, too, is as a brand incubator to, to have a place where people can start new projects. Really interesting. i got to stop you there for a second, Matt. we got to yeah. take a quick breather, and i got a glass that i got to refill. So we'll be back in just Sounds a good. second. We're talking to Matt Smith. He is with Grapeseed Wines. You can Google Grapeseed Wines. You'll find all kinds of articles about it, but We're going to get the entire skinny right here on Grape Encounters Radio. Don't go anyplace. We'll be back in just one second. All right, it's more than one second. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. guilty as sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. 
perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. Hello, Mr. Wilson. Welcome to the show. Don't bother adjusting the knobs on your radio. It's a special transmission. And now suited up in a little number from his Tommy Bahama wine lover's wardrobe, here's the guy who went from hipster to sipster, David Wilson. No, 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 Mr. Wilson, this isn't where you should be. Everybody's waiting patiently. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, talking to Matt Smith of Grapeseed Wines, and this is such an interesting concept and company. It is really a case where the consumer actually provides the seed money for really exceptional winemakers to produce wines under new labels that are incredibly exclusive and very small lots. And first of all, Matt, is it a club or do we call it something different? Well, it is kind of a club. We are, as I said, a bonded winery. And so in that sense, it's a wine club that is exclusive to our members only. But we really look at it as a partnership. So we call our members partners because their monthly contributions into Grapeseed Wine Fund allows us to go out and develop those new projects with those top-tier A-list winemakers that are coming on board with us. And so we are a wine club in that sense. However, it is a different business. We do not have any pre-programmed shipments. There isn't any uh, quarterly allotment of wines that you have to take. The money that you contribute every month that goes towards helping us secure the next set of great wines is yours to spend on wine. So that's your piggy bank. It grows with every contribution, and then you can purchase wines from that fund whenever you want. Okay, so let me understand this better then. First of all, what kind of a contribution am I required to make? Is there a limit? Is 
there a bottom line or how does it work? Well, we have a couple of different options right now. Our primary partner contributes $100 every month. And so that partner accrues that money in his or her wine fund over each month and then is able to select wines whenever they feel like it. They can obviously spend more than their wine fund, but the wine fund is really there to really help us that seed money for us to start the new projects that then will be available for them. So every dime that I contribute to this, I can recoup in the form of wines that will be shipped to me. That's absolutely right. Yep. Your monthly subscription, your contribution as part of Grapeseed is yours to spend uh, on wine. So so literally, um, you as a partner have your own private stable of top-tier winemakers at your disposal. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I hear myself describe it out loud, I think, why wouldn't you want to join? It's uh, it's one of those things where it's such a great opportunity to connect with winemakers and, and connect with these small projects. And that's really what we want to encourage the engagement. As I said, when you come out to wine country to be able to attend one of our events where you can meet one of uh, or several of the winemakers that are involved with Grapeseed. So, so, you really, so you really have access to mm. winemakers in a way that most consumers would never have. I, yes, absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the partners, uh, partner winemakers in our group is, is Nick Goldschmidt. And uh, Nick Goldschmidt has been in, oh, yeah. in the industry for years, has uh, made wine for a number of very prominent wine companies, and now has his own label, Goldschmidt Family Wines, and, and the Forefathers brand as well that, that he does very successfully. Well, Nick decided he wanted to create a, a new brand called Elementary with us in, in Grapeseed. And so we have wines under the elementary brand. But one of the experiences, the reason why I brought this up, one of the experiences that our partners can take advantage of is come out to wine country during harvest and take a drive around in, in Nick's pickup into the vineyards and go <laughs> see the vines, you know, go see the Lone Tree Vineyard where he's sourcing the cab for, uh, for the elementary brand that's available right now. That's the, the type of interaction we want to encourage. We feel so lucky to be out, you know, as part of the wine industry and living in a place like Healdsburg, California, I always tell people when I'm traveling back in in the Midwest or anywhere that in Healdsburg, you can't throw a rock without hitting a winemaker. That's kind of our reality. Well, we want people who interact with us through Grapeseed to be able to feel that same way when they show up in Healdsburg or in Napa Valley and they already have an in. They're insiders. Yeah. And by the way, if you are in Healdsburg, don't throw rocks. We don't (laughs) want to hurt any winemakers. You know, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I did want to comment on your comment about Nick Goldschmidt because we've had him on the show, and I think there might be four of him, actually, because that guy's got so many projects going on (laughs) all over the world. And if you do get a chance to ride in a pickup truck with him, it will be absolutely dizzying because once you turn him on and he starts talking, you won't (laughs) believe the wealth of information that comes out of that guy's mouth. He is absolutely unbelievable. You know, we've got just about a minute or two left, so why don't we, Matt, talk about your background for a second because you come from one of the really big winemaking families. Go for it. Yeah, sure. Well, I think I fit the bill of a lot of different winemakers out in California where I didn't realize I I wanted to be a winemaker until uh, I'd gone through a couple of other careers. And then uh, in my early 30s, decided that winemaking was my calling. And so did what I needed to do to get into the industry. And uh, the first real full-time job, you know, other than just doing harvest here and there, was with Kendall Jackson and Jackson Family Wines. I was lucky enough to get started with Kendall Jackson on the 
their Bordeaux wine program and eventually became director of winemaking in charge of uh, all the Bordeaux wine wow. and a few of the other projects inside the, the Jackson family umbrella. It was a great, great place for a, a winemaker uh, to, to really uh, cut their teeth. Uh, as you might imagine, their scope is large. They harvest grapes from essentially all the counties on the north coast of California and everywhere on the central coast. So I got to see a lot of different things, work with a lot of different grapes, work with a lot of different winemakers. Yeah. And so I feel that was great. So what are you doing now? Right. So so I, I decided I wanted to become a part of this great new concept, this Grapeseed Wine Collective. So they really were looking for a winemaker to anchor their production and operations. And so I came on board. So I'm vice president of winemaking and operations. And what that means is I'm really the head winemaker wrangler. I, uh, I'm out looking for the new talent and then helping to make sure that the projects that the winemaker partners are involved in come to fruition, that they get bottled on time and we get the, the inventory and in for our members, subscribers, and, and that's the extent of it. I'm not telling them how to make wine. I'm just making sure they get the resources that they need. Wow. And then I get the exciting opportunity to launch a new brand of my own. And so really there, what I have wanted to do was working the last 11 harvests really focused on Cabernet and, and Bordeaux wines. I want to stick with that theme, but I also have uh, Italian heritage on my mom's side and have always been intrigued by some of the uh, Italian varieties. And so I'm going to start with a uh, super Tuscan style uh, blend where I get to kind of marry Bordeaux and Tuscany in, in, um, in the winemaking process and then offer some some other Italian varieties as well. Awesome. Hey, I hate to say this, Matt, but we are out of time. Can you imagine? <laughs> it goes so fast. <laughs> All right. For people who want more information on Grapeseed Wines, where do we send them? The best place to go is grapeseedwine.com. That's our uh, website. You can learn all about grapeseed and how to become a partner, all of the different winemaking projects that we have going and, and what we have to offer. All right. Well, excellent. Very nice to have you on. And congratulations on the project. It sounds like it's succeeding marvelously. And I really wish you the best of luck and hope people will check it out. You know, well, thank you very it. much, David. It was great to be on the show. What a great opportunity. Okay. Matt Smith from Grapeseed Wines. Check it out. And we'll be back in just a second. And now we're going to talk women in winemaking when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. You're having a Grape Encounter with David Wilson. What a way to spend the day. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast, with access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events. Historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. 
The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine you want flows right into your glass. The Argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters. Very user-friendly. Just add your favorite wine and we will do the rest. Here's your host, David Wilson. I just got a scratch, I got a cooler full of fun. Huggy to match. Tearing up the back roads, making some noise. We got wine for the women and beer for the boys. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And, you know, I was sitting in my office just a couple of days ago making a list of topics that I felt like I had neglected and really needed to get into when a press release came across my desk on what I think is a very hot topic in the wine industry today. And, you know, it's one of those things maybe we don't think about too much, but maybe we ought to. And that is the role of women in the wine business. And I'm talking about all aspects of the wine business. I'll tell you what, I have tasted some amazing, amazing wines that are being made by some of the women who are now entering the wine business. So I'm very pleased to have on the line today, Deborah Brenner. She's the founder of Women of the Vine and author of the book of the same name back in New York City. And Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, David. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you on board today. You actually, I guess we can say you're in the wine business too now, but you're not making wine or are you making wine? Well, I actually was producing wine for many years, about seven years. I had created a portfolio of wines collectively under the label Women of the Vine. And at the height of it, we had um, some of the top women winemakers of Napa, Sonoma, and Paso Robles all making limited production wines under the label. So it was their own signature style, and their name as the winemaker was on the label, Women of the Vine, and a little bit of their story and their history on the back. So I did come through the wine business in that, but I realized that my real passion really lied towards championing women in the wine and spirits industry overall. So tell me how this all got started, because you were certainly not in the wine industry. What brought you into the wine industry, and how did you create a niche for yourself? Absolutely. Well, as you said, David, I was not in the wine industry. For 20 years, I was actually working in the uh, field of high-end technology and predominantly technology that was being used by film and, and television studios around the world. And I was in marketing, business development, and public relations. So I spent a very long time on the road, lots of traveling, worked for many international companies, and it really opened up my eyes to wonderful dining, different cultures, and absolutely wine, and how it was, you know, really represented in different cultures and nationalities around the world. So my passion for wine 
really began early, right after college when I, I was traveling quite often. But as I moved further and further up the ranks in, you know, corporate America, I started getting more disenchanted um, about my career path, and I was searching for an opportunity to reinvent myself doing something that I was more passionate about and something that really resonated with my soul and wanting to work um, really with, with women if possible. Okay, so this is so funny because I was sent an audio clip from a fellow who hosts a wine show in Los Angeles, and it is a clip of an interview that he did with a winemaker down in the Temecula wine country. And when he asked him how he got in the business, he replied that he worked in the film industry as well, like you, and decided wanted to do something different every day. And he was a regular listener to my show. And I always tell people, hey, you know what? If you're stuck in traffic and you know, you're not happy with your you know, nine to five career, maybe you should get into winemaking. And he did. That's incredible. And I hope That's he, incredible. I hope he's listening right now too, because he hasn't called me. And that's kind of strange. I, I'm going to have him on for sure in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, so the wine industry has a tremendous amount of lure. And one of the things that I like to tell people is that, you know, most people, I think, have the misconception that being in the wine industry means making wine. And there are so many great jobs. I mean, the same positions that are in any business will probably be found in the wine business, wouldn't they? But some different ones and more exciting ones as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you're correct. And that's what we're, we're doing now is really uh, raising that awareness to the contribution of women in all sectors of the industry. And, you know, for most people, yeah, they, they immediately think of the vineyards, they think of the winemaking process. But when you really look at the industry as a whole, and all you have to do is walk into a local wine shop or a grocery store that sells wine and see, this is a globally traded industry and it's highly competitive. So just like other industries, there are so many aspects to really give people an opportunity. And, and that's actually how I came about to it. I was looking, I was being lured by the romance of the vines and wanting to get outside and get out of, you know, the, the rat race of corporate America. I was working in New York City. I spent most of my time in my office or on an airplane or hotel room or boardrooms and wanted that reconnection you know, to nature and, and cycles and seasonal eating. And so I definitely got lured, but I started looking for job opportunities within my skill set. So I, I was looking at an opportunity. Could I take my marketing and business development in the competitive world of technology to the wine world? And that's, that's when I started uh, my exploration. So tell me what you think the tipping point has been that has opened the floodgates literally to bring so many women into the wine business and especially as winemakers because there was a time when it certainly was a male-dominated world and certainly there were women that were working in other positions but I have to imagine that the number of women who are coming into winemaking positions specifically is happening at breakneck speed. Am I right? Well, you're absolutely right. There's more and more women getting involved in and, you know, I've now been in the wine business for the past 10 years. So 
I started the research for my book, Women of the Vine, which was really the first book about women breaking the glass ceiling and, and, you know, conquering gender stereotypes and excelling in the wine industry. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of people talking about it. Today, you're seeing more and more women going into programs for enology, but you're still not seeing as many women at the helm, at, you know, really being the lead winemakers. Recently, some studies have shown that just still about 10% of the lead winemakers of the, the large wineries in California are women. So we definitely have many, many more people entering the business, but what Women of the Vine is all about and the fact that we are launching the first alliance, which is the uh, leading uh, membership alliance to support and advance women in the industry, is is really because you're not seeing enough of them get to the leadership position. So they are entering the business, but they may not be climbing that ladder and staying in the business long enough for succession. Okay. But I've got to guess, though, there is a pretty long tool-up period. I mean, even though I've known a number of women who are making wine who excelled very quickly in the field, you know, traditionally, you are working your way up the ranks in the business regardless of what your gender is. And so many people start as what we call cellar rats and eventually, (laughs) hopefully, make it to an assistant winemaker position. And the lead winemaker either has to screw up badly or die. Uh, in order for somebody to get that position. So it's a really tough industry, I think, to get that top position compared to other industries because there are a lot less uh, wineries out there than there are most other kinds of businesses. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're seeing that change happening because even outside of California, as you know, David, I mean, there's now wineries in all 50 states of the U.S. and then certainly because we're an international organization, uh, we're seeing women really taking the lead worldwide. So there are lots of opportunities, more opportunities, but yes, I mean, there's still, you know, a finite number because of, of how many lead winemaking positions are available for the amount of people that are coming into the business. But that's where we're seeing women really take leadership roles in viticulture, in distributor networks, compliance. We're seeing them, you know, in sales and public relations and women just really running the companies now. So it's. Uh, And I want to talk about that. Uh, However, Mm -hmm. we're going to have to take a quick break here. Can you hang on with me for a second? Absolutely. Let's get into that because I definitely want to talk about women who are running the ship because there's an awful lot of that and some big names doing. It. My guest is Deborah Brenner. She is the founder of Women of the Vine, which uh, is both a book but now an organization that uh, just had a couple of months ago their annual symposium. And we'll talk about that as well when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Your Grape Encounter will continue momentarily. So while you're listening to these important messages, do a little multi-processing and join the Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page. That way we can share things with you that we might not be able to tell you on the radio. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. We like to talk about wine. 
If you have a thirst for wine knowledge, be it trivia or the latest trends, there's a website that's overflowing with content that we've created just for you. It's GrapeEncounters.com, where you'll find literally hundreds upon hundreds of stories and interviews covering almost every topic imaginable. From the world's most colorful and renowned winemakers to unforgettable wine adventures, there's something for every wine lover at GrapeEncounters.com. Go ahead, log on, uncork, pour, swirl, and sip. If you love wine, then you probably love to travel, too. And there are two places you should really visit soon. The best part is, you don't even have to pack a bag or leave your house. If you're looking for adventures in wine, log on to GrapeEncounters.com. There you'll find an audio library of more than 300 stories that will take you virtually anywhere you want to go. At GrapeEncounters.com, you'll find short subjects as well as full stories. All audio can be downloaded with one click, and you'll be amazed at the broad range of subject matter. Another place you really should visit is our Facebook group page. Simply search for Grape Encounters Radio or click on the link on our website. The Grape Encounters Radio group has become a formidable place for wine lovers to exchange ideas, introduce products, and share upcoming events. If you're not already a group member, then join the party on Facebook. Grape Encounters is more than a radio broadcast. It's a family of like-minded, fun-loving, unpretentious wine lovers. Come fill up your glass today. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and so pleased to have on the line Deborah Brenner, founder of Women of the Vine. We've been talking about the influx of women into a wide range of positions in the winemaking world. An awful lot of women that are now even lead winemakers. I know the number is only 10%, but that's 10% more than it was not very long ago, isn't it, Deborah? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some of the pioneers, you know, they really had to trailblaze to even get accepted into analogy programs and then get hired. And we're really only looking about maybe 25 years ago, so it's it's not that long. How many women do you suppose are in enology programs now at the big schools like Davis? Do you know what the percentage is, male to female? Uh, male to female, the last time that I read statistics on that is actually women have dominated, so it's over 50%. Yeah out of here. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are really gravitating towards it. But, you know, I'm not really that surprised when I see that 71% of all wine retail purchases in America are now made by women. And we're seeing those statistics really reflect internationally as well. Women seem to really take an affinity, and that doesn't mean that they're not drinking beer and, and spirits and everything else, but they definitely uh, have taken quite the lead as the lead of the wine consumer. But you're making a really interesting point here that I never thought of before. Do you believe that women have a greater ability, perhaps, to 
craft a wine that is going to be more likable for the female gender? Because, I mean, there are differences in taste between men and women. We know that in foods and all kinds of things. Is that part of it? Well, you know, when I speak to a lot of women in all aspects of the industry, whether they're making it or they're selling it or, you know, running the companies, I do think that women have a slightly different approach. And that's the same way we work in any aspect of business. Um, you know, we, we definitely have a collaborative approach and other things. But also, I find that with a lot of the women making the wine that I have met, there is much more of a nurturing type of winemaking philosophy that they seem to have, where it's... Um, much more uh, letting Mother Nature uh, run its course and then gently guide it versus trying to manipulate it. That was really a recurring theme when I wrote the book of the winemakers that I spoke with, that that was really more of their philosophy. And also, if, if you speak to some scientists like Dr. Ann Noble, who is the creator of the Wine Aroma Wheel, they have said that they believe women perhaps have more taste buds and therefore could be more sensitive to certain flavors and things that men aren't. So I don't think that women are creating a wine for women. I think they're just creating the best wine that the earth and the soil and, and Mother Nature, you know, gives them the tools to, to create. Let me deviate just a little bit because you have an incredible marketing background. How do you feel when you walk into a wine store or any place where you can buy wine and you see wines that are being marketed very specifically to women? Does that offend you? You know, I will have to say that, you know, marketing to women, this is not just a trend in wine. Once marketers have really latched on to the fact that women are powerful buyers and that they are controlling a lot of the money in the economy, I think that we're seeing it throughout all industries. I don't think it is a matter of marketing to women. I think that they're marketing a lifestyle that maybe these women aspire to, but I always look at, at wine more as a story. And I think that the women behind the labels are probably the most fascinating part of that story. Hey, that's absolutely true. But I think that all consumers, you know, especially the wine consumer tends to be a more sophisticated consumer, male or female, doesn't matter. I like to think that I'm smarter than the person who's, you know, putting an image on a bottle because they think it's going to hit my hot button. I mean, I just think that's pure nonsense personally. But anyway. Yeah, and I think that we've seen a lot of that where people... People are offended, you know, they're marketing specifically. You know, we call it, you know, marketing pink, right? You know, they say if you put pink on it, you're going to appeal to women. And I think a lot of those wines have done. I will tell you that when I'm out in the field and I'm talking to, to women, I find that those wines are finding a place in the wine world. And what's good about them is I think that they're converting a lot of people to wine drinkers because they tend to be more of an entry-level style. You know, it's approachable, it's fun, it's appealing to their lifestyle, it's affordable. But I think once women and men especially start getting into wine, their palates start getting more developed and we can bring them up to really seeing the power of the fact that wine is very different than distilled spirits or beer because it's only 
only produce once a year, really. You know, the soil, the land, and, and the winemaker can't really play with it that much the way that we can with others. So I think once people get into it, then they really do move away from some of those marketing lines. Okay, I'll buy that. Let's talk just for a moment in the minute or so that we have left about some of the figures in the wine industry that may have caused so much reverberation among women who were thinking about getting into the industry. I Mm -hmm. think about people like Gina Gallo and people like Kathy Benzinger. I've had her on the show and just amazing, amazing. And people like that have got to really be an inspiration to others. And you have Stephanie Gallo on your board? Yes. Yes, so we formed a very impressive advisory board because, you know, creating the first international alliance for women to have a forum to call their own for the very first time, to come together, to network, to mentor, and really help each other excel in their in their career paths. So Gina definitely has taken the helm of the Gallo family lines as the winemaker, but Stephanie, as vice president of marketing, is instrumental in the growth of the company and the, you know, the financial side of the company, the sales side. So yes, she's on our advisory board. We also have wonderful people as well from Annette Alvarez-Peters, who has been named one of the top people in the wine world, who is from Costco. And we have people from national accounts, from suppliers, as well as from distributors. Because as we all know, David, there's so much talk right now about women in business. And we like to say we're women in business first. We just happen to be women in the wine business. But the reality is that people are realizing that diversity, not just gender, but race and, and, and everything of diversity in a company really increases the bottom line because it fuels innovation and creativity. Okay, very good. Well, very nice to have you on. Thank yes. you. My guest has been Deborah Brenner, founder of Women of the Vine. Check it out at womenofthevine.com. Man, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. That was the fastest show on record. I can't believe it. We'll be back here at the very same time next week. So in the meantime, uh, when you do listen to this show, make sure you are drinking the good stuff. That doesn't mean it's expensive. We'll see you next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.